So it seems quite a long time, Nancy, since we've been sitting I together. Know, we've done world travel since. We have a lot of travelling, <laughs> a lot of, um, yeah, this and that. I've been, I've spent a lot of time in Italy. Hello. So I'm looking unusually, I feel, relaxed ah. <laughs> <laughs> and suntanned. Had a bit of Sardinian holiday. How lovely. Lying on a beach, Beautiful. doing nothing. I haven't. I did Rome for a day, but that was um, for work. But then I have been to the Cotswolds and done um, some Father Browning, which is lovely, the, but in the unbelievable heat. Yeah, the really odd thing about being in Sardinia was that obviously it's quite hot in Sardinia, but we kept getting texts from people in England or indeed sort of watching bits of um, sport in England and realising that it was infinitely hotter here. Um, and that yeah. uh, it was just kind of unbearable. What was it like filming in that, in that, um, in that weather? It was it was actually challenging. I mean, it, I think that you know the crew and production team were extraordinary, and there were ice buckets everywhere with water, and all the crew had um, mostly by the end of the day icy flannels on their heads because everybody was so hot, and I think three of the crew left with heat stroke because we were indoors and they had air conditioning and stuff but it was a very old uh hotel that we had taken over for a bit because they were being refurbed i think over the next year but it meant that we had the run of the whole place Mm -hmm. so all the areas that weren't being filmed in they could have windows open and all that sort of stuff but even then it was like a sort of wall of heat in certain rooms and then if you went out into the sun it was it just I don't think we're prepared for it in this no, country. I mean, with no. climate change, it's coming. Yeah. And it's not looking like it. I mean, people compare it to the summer of 76. It's hotter than the summer. I, I do remember the summer yeah. of 76 because I was on a beach in Cornwall because I was working in a Cornish hotel. Oh, right. And it was absolutely the best summer to be working in a hotel over yeah, a yeah. beach because we used to work like maniacs all day and then go and lie on the beach. But it's hotter than that. It feels yeah. different. Just and you do realise that, um, you know, Sardinia, everybody lives in a certain way as well. So we were getting up super early. Well, I was getting up super early and going for a swim and doing everything I needed to do by 12 o'clock. And then you stop, you know, then you actually just stop and you lie down. Whereas we're not really used to that. And you were filming in period clothing. Yeah, I was in a tweed suit. It's a genius choice. (laughs) Pretty, Uh, pretty heavy. It was quite full on. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, in the end, I would just sort of walked around in my bra when I wasn't filming, which is, it didn't look like a normal bra. It looked more like a sort of period bikini because it's um, Lady Felicia, who I play in Father Brown, has enormous knockers, whereas I don't have enormous <laughs> knockers. So they have all the padding, I felt, meant that it looked enough like a costume that it wasn't going to offend anybody. And I think people just realised that then putting on a very tight tweed jacket was just unbearable. So I had yeah. it on for as little time as possible. But we had one actress who was in prosthetics, who was, you know, really the day took its toll on her completely. Um, It was just serious stuff. I mean, you know, it's dangerous heat. And uh, we just don't have the physical facility to to understand what to do with ourselves. Yeah. And I suppose imagining being in 1950s England, um, you know, does make you realise that you dress differently and and that people behave differently. And um, I also, um, I'm now really going to show off, so that the once I got back from Sardinia, um, I almost uh, immediately got on a plane again, which is bad. I know of climate change 
but I haven't done any flying for a very long time. Um, but I went back to Italy and I went to Venice <gasps> for the dance Biennale. And obviously oh, there you couldn't quite do the thing of, of, of being um, asleep for half the day because there was all the art to see and there was all the dance to see, which was brilliant. But dancing in that heat. Dancing it? in the heat must have been so, so hard for them. And there's... Um, yeah, there's a, a, a choreographer I'm slightly obsessed by called Trajal Harrell. And they do this amazingly, they did this thing called Maggie the Cat. And um, it's basically, it's, it is theatrical for this podcast. It is imagining the servants in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof um, when the um, Big Daddy and the rest of the household have gone out and the servants conjure the spirit of Maggie. And they conjure the spirit by dressing up. Um, and voguing essentially it's the most utterly utterly brilliant piece he is the most brilliant choreographer and he said he had and it's very vigorous and they're dressing themselves it was premiered at the Manchester International Festival Right. So obviously, no, the heat was not an issue. And yeah. so one of the things they do is they dress themselves in the cushions of the sofa <gasps> that they'd been sitting on. So they're tying this round. And the dancers were said it was just something else. that They've performed it in hot theatres, but they'd never been as hot as they were by the end of this. No. But they kept going brilliantly. And it was brilliant. The whole of Venice was wonderful. We did a, a production of um, As You Like It at the RSC in the summer of 2000. And Kay Fassett designed all the costumes. So we were in layers of wool. Wow. And it was a really, really hot summer. Yeah. And in fact, 2006, it was a hot summer. And Joe and I were in a farce in town and we were in wool suits for that. And backstage, it tends to be the auditoriums will be get the full whack of air conditioning. But you can't really... Uh, on stage yeah. have, have the impact of that and I think I don't know whether it affects the lights or whatever but it, I'm, I don't think I've ever been on a stage that feels the air conditioning and it's just unbelievable you just you takes your breath away yeah. so I, to be a dancer in that yeah. though dancers are funny because and we'll start the podcast proper shortly but dancers are funny because they do like it to be hot oh, really? because they get injured less in heat oh, so in fact course. if you go backstage during um uh, a normal ballet in winter you know the, the the backstage area is is really heated up and the stage is hot oh. and there are heaters on but the, there must be a sort of level where it becomes uncomfortable and especially if you are obviously you know most dance leotards are light but if you are by any chance heavily clothed it must yes. be really quite something yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it is their enormous credit that you didn't really notice it and it was astonishing and um yeah i had a great great time and i hope to go back next year and uh, and, and now i think we should start yes uh, this episode of as the actress said to the critic uh with me the critic sarah crompton and I'm the actress, Nancy Carroll. And my next excursion, which is going to be the subject of uh, the pod this week, is that I'm um, on Thursday. I am off to the Edinburgh International Festival. Ta-da! Is that what it's called now, the Edinburgh yeah. International well, Festival? Well, Edinburgh Festival. Effectively, if you're, when I was write, uh, writing about it on um, the Telegraph, and when I was asked, there are effectively a number of festivals happening at the same time. Yeah, so there's yeah. the International Festival, there's the Fringe, there's the Books Festival. Oh, wow. Um, there's the Art Festival. Yeah. Um, and there's Comedy Festival, I think. So of they course, are all slightly course, different. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so probably the Edinburgh Festival's yeah. a better way of saying it. Um, and I, I, 
I've gone a lot down the years and have kind of quite strong memories of Edinburgh. How often have you been? Um, I think I've been twice as audience and twice as performer. Right. So I think only maybe four, maybe even five times, I can't remember, but not recently, actually. Um, I have quite a few friends who are performing this year, which is a great shame because there's, there's lots of stuff I'd love to see. But a lot of my favourite theatrical experiences have been at the Edinburgh Festival. Right. I have always found it such an exciting space. And, you know, in terms of an entire city being taken over in that way and, and spaces being found and, and people walking along the streets and advertising things and, and the way it's... Just the way it runs itself and the fact that literally from dawn till dusk there is something you can see and then, of course, it finishes with the tattoo and I just love that sense of the artists moving in yeah, and I taking do. over. I just, it's just anarchic and gorgeous and that it has its own momentum and I think to feel like an artist in in that, have that experience in at any point in your life is just really exciting. Yeah, I've always really loved it and it does, I the very first time I went, I'm very jealous of you having performed there. My brother performed there and won a Fringe first um, but I never took a show there so my first memories really are of going up as just and hanging out with people who were performing which yeah. is not quite the same and doing that thing that you do if you're going as a student where you're just kind of hanging out and trying to find things that are free and yes, yes. not necessarily spending huge amounts of money one of my fondest memories is sitting with my father in a show that we'd we'd chosen on the basis that it was cheap and turned out to be one of those shows where everybody walked on stage and took their clothes off I remember oh, just brilliant. Like kind, of, kind of crushing embarrassment of sitting next to your parent when when that's going on um but you happen upon things yeah. as well don't you? that's what's so glorious you know you happen upon street performers or so you know the various gallery um uh, not called foyers for for what do you call them? God, my brain. Um, you know the the bit in front of a yeah, gallery. Foyers or yeah, yeah or entrances. The, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the little square, like the quads yeah. you get in front of galleries and libraries and stuff, will often often be taken over with um, with performance pieces and stuff. And I remember seeing something from Yugoslavia. I didn't even know what it was, but it was with these giant puppets and dancing and stuff. And yeah, beautiful. There was a Catalonian. Um, piece I remember seeing that stayed with me for years it's just gorgeous and most of it was in Spanish which I don't speak but it was so clever and and it was just a concept they took over the entire entrance to the um theatre itself and then they had this piece that was it started as a cinema screen and you were sitting and watching it and then at some point obviously a woman had been planted in the audience but she stood up and started heckling the screen and then the actors on the screen turned around and answered her so they'd all timed it brilliantly and then they did this thing where she she the woman who was heckling in spanish ran out of the auditorium onto the stage and jumped through the screen, which had splits in it, and then she became part of the film. And then the actors were jumping in and out of the film. 
It was just genius. Amazing. Brilliant. Amazing. I mean, I think, so that's one of the things I think that over the years, I've had some of, yeah, same as you really, some of my best experiences at the Edinburgh Festival. Some of them are the memories of being there, you know. And yes. in fact, when the children were quite young, we used to take the children and we used to see loads of kids' comedy. And that was that was really nice. And I remember lots of that. Um, we were obsessed with a group called the Pajama Men who um, did a show that was not really incredibly suitable for young children, but we <laughs> all adored and we went back to see it over and over again but my my personal memories of the th- uh, of the festival and uh, are seeing things from abroad seeing things that were a bit different I certainly in it was formative for me in terms of dance because at a time when you really really couldn't see much international dance in Oxford where I was and then in London. I went to Edinburgh to see Pina Bausch for the first oh, time. Yeah. I saw Merce Cunningham, who I never understood at that point, performing in sort of gyms on the outskirts of Edinburgh. Yeah, and, you, yeah. and and you did you did see things. I saw the Berliner Ensemble, <gasps> I saw the Marley Theatre and it was just, I had never been exposed to that kind of sense of international art and you know I do think it was eye-opening for me in that that way I suppose I feel slightly as I've gone on that um sort of that's because there are so many more festivals and stuff it's it's a bit harder to absolutely get that sense of something other arriving in Edinburgh I don't, well, I haven't been recently. I mean, but then I suppose it's only a, a good thing that it's inspired other people, like yeah. High Tide in Suffolk and, you know, that you, that you can, something that can start quite makeshift, but um, ideal in its intention, you know, that, that can grow and grow and grow. And, and from just having somebody going, actually, there's some really interesting stuff here. And if we put three or four plays on together, we could call it a festival. Yeah, You know, and from that, you know, that... It's inspired people, so that's yeah. good. Yeah, it is true. And of course, you played one of the people who we've talked about this before, but you played um, Audrey Milmay, who was one of the founding forces. I remember yes, Joan Jerome sort of being founding force, but yeah, she it, was one of. It the, was Rud- uh, Rudolf Bing, who was one of the characters in the Moderate Soprano play that I did uh, originally at Hampstead Theatre. It was written by David Hare and Roger with Roger Allen and uh, George Taylor played um, Rudolf Bing originally, and then Jacob. Fortune Lloyd and he was an extraordinary man Bing and he ran the festival for the first few years right um he was just a, a great entrepreneur and businessman and narrowly escaped with his life from um, Nazi-occupied Europe and uh ran the uh, ran Glyndebourne for the first few years and then it was Mild May Audrey Mild May and Bing that ran I don't know if she was involved, how involved she was, because she was quite ill by the first few years it was up and running. But the idea came from taking opera to Edinburgh. Right, yes. um, I think initially during the Second World War, and then she went across the pond to America, um, on which her husband wanted her to be away from Europe. But it was that idea. It was the idea that 
you know, you get a few things happening at once and suddenly it has its own yeah. momentum and energy. And so that's what, what it grew from. But and I think you've absolutely put your finger on why it is so wonderful. And actually, it's really good to be reminded of it. It is that everybody's there with the same purpose. So everybody is there yeah. to consume art. And yeah. and um, one of my uh, favourite venues, actually, is the Travers, which everybody always talks about, but, but particularly the old Travers, which was kind of quite run down and used to... I always remember you had to climb over the seats in front to get into your seat because it was sort of on a rake, but you had these cushiony chairs and you, yeah. it was like climbing a, a kind of play area. And, and in a venue like that, you suddenly get everybody's you get the students like me who bought the tickets cheap and have you know and you get the people who live in edinburgh who have come to see i remember seeing um uh john cano and the the market theater of johannesburg there seeing those plays there and again i hadn't really got another place to to go and see those things but i uh, when I was sitting there watching them, surrounded by a community yes. of totally different people, totally diverse, of just wanting um, to to share that artistic experience. And you're, you're absolutely right. That is what makes Edinburgh sort of so special. But it's interesting, isn't it? There's a culture there of experimentation as well yeah. that I think quite a lot of sort of theatre land experiences in, in every city around the country. I mean, I can't speak for other countries, but but not just London. I think currently at the moment we're quite risk averse, whereas in Edinburgh that's not the case and people try stuff. Yeah. And it's really good. It's brilliant for comedy. It's, br- it's discovered, you know, m- most comedians, you know, yeah. have had experiences of either starting there, being discovered there or, you know, cutting their teeth there on Edinburgh audiences. And that is so exciting. And I remember seeing years and years ago, perhaps even like 93, uh, what was it called? Disco Pigs. Oh, yes, Disco Pigs. And Edna, that started Edna there, yeah, which yeah. then went on to have another life. And I think eventually they made a film of it. Yeah. But I can remember seeing it one year. There was just an extraordinary array of work. And I remember being completely blown away. I mean, the performances, I'm sorry, I can't remember their names, but they were just jaw-dropping. Yeah. And it was in this tiny, tiny hot space and then they were, but these two commanding performances and this almost made up language. Yeah. But the writing was beautiful. Yeah. And I, did, I can remember, so it must have, it may even have been 96. So I was about to go to drama school, leave, leave Leeds University and go to drama school. And, and it, it, it felt like I was tiptoeing, putting my toes into this lake, you know, that I'm going to join these people yeah. soon. And they were so extraordinary. And, it, and, you know, but also the, the camaraderie of, of yeah. putting plays on against the odds and selling so tickets what plays on the did streets. So what plays did you put on? The first time we did uh, quite a little play called The Beano that had been written by a Leeds writer. And I can't remember. And we, But we had a god-awful slot. It was like half ten at night, right, right. at the end of town, up near um, where they do the tattoo. What's it called? up the? Um, yeah, the castle. The yeah, castle right Mount. up near the castle. So we, half ten at night, so we'd have to sort of advertise all day and try and stay awake. But then we'd come off stage at like midnight. And then, of course, you can't get to sleep till six o'clock in the yeah. morning. So it was a riot. We, we were up all night, basically, and driven mad by the lack of sleep by the end of, the, you know, after a month. Um, and then... We did a production, it was a, un- a Leeds University production of Tartuffe 
but it did get really well reviewed. Right. So we played to pack houses and, and that was a completely different experience. Um, just to be in something that was popular and we had a really good, um, you know, responses. And, and, yeah. and actually I can remember at that point walking around the streets in costume selling tickets and somebody saying to me, "There's a we're doing a dress rehearsal of... Um, Britain's Midsummer Night's Dream. Do you want to come and see it? It's on in an hour. Wow. So we went in full costume to go and see Michael Chance playing Oberon, who was the oh, countertenor. Gosh, yes, gosh. And and again, you know, it was just one of those things. Yeah. That, when is this ever going to happen that I'll be sat in some ball gown in a dress rehearsal in the, you know, and getting to see these people sing and uh, it was just it was beautiful. And I it was the first time I'd ever heard a countertenor and um and it, yeah, it was just magical. It, 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 actually, um, that's also interesting that reviews do make such a difference. Yeah. And um, and as a reviewer, when you're going, there is that sense of responsibility. It is one moment yeah. when, um, you know, we talk about the fact that in, in, in London, you can't really affect the fate of a show. But in in um, in Edinburgh, you really can yeah, no, affect the fate of the show. And what has happened actually is that everybody wants five star reviews. So because it's all advertised by the stars on the posters. Yeah, yeah. So there are now so many multiple outlets <laughs> who are reviewing it. And it may well be that, you know, I like theatre.com is yeah. the one that, you know, did give it five stars and that's on all the posters. And but you do feel that kind of really um that sense if you're writing, I you're writing very quickly. I mean, I mean, yeah. it, it's entirely um, different. I go and stay with her now. I, I've stayed all over Edinburgh. We used to have a brilliant flat that we rented. And um, we had a brief period where we stayed in a hotel, but that was before things got really expensive. But now I stay with a very wonderful person called, shout out to Lee Randall, who lives in a very nice flat. And our days start without fail with us both sitting at the kitchen table in total silence, writing, and then occasionally saying something thing to the other yeah like do you want a cup of tea or do you want a piece of toast or did you see that and it's it's kind of I love going to stay with her because it's very companionable I only met her through the festival yeah and she does a lot in the books festival so she's working very hard I'm working very hard so you're but you are responding incredibly quickly yeah and that too is um, it feels like a responsibility, but it also feels rather thrilling. I mean, yeah. it does really feel that you are giving a judgment that will count. And I remember going to Black Watch. Oh, wow. Which yeah. was um, John, the first time I'd seen anything directed by John Tiffany. Yeah. And um, amazing play about uh, the Scottish regiments in the Iraq War. Yes, yes. Written by Gregory Burke, I think. And it was that so other lovely thing about Edinburgh taking over of, of, of spaces so it was in this space that everybody panicked about finding it was disused hall and it was the most sort of magical thing I really I, I mean if I had to say one highlight of Edinburgh in my lifetime I think that and probably Pina Bausch would yeah. be it because it was the sense of you suddenly seeing something you'd never seen before, this kind of extraordinary combination of theatre and dance and design um, that just brought a whole experience to yeah. life. Music, it was um, great writing. And I remember running out of that kind of really excited yes, at the idea yes. that, you know, this was definite five stars and you were going to give it. And, and 
but it's also a delight to find something small and 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 that maybe isn't as high profile and that you just you personally love and you want everyone yeah. to go and see it. So it is it is an interesting thing for a critic. Yes. Um, and this time I'm going to some. I mean, I've noticed that one of the things I do notice is that I used to love going to that bad play at ten thirty at night. And that's slightly changed over the years as it's got more organised. So now it's really comedy at night. Right. It's quite hard to find, you know, the new play in the, in the, in the far off outpost at 10.30. Yeah. Because, like, who wants to go to it? I am going to see a musical, which is at quite late at night, um, uh, which is newly written uh, from Francesca Moody Productions, which I'm looking forward to. But I am going to see quite a lot of new writing yeah. um, this time. And, and I look forward to that, you know, because it's a perfect setting to discover writers and to, for them, as you say, to experiment and, and to um, find ways of... Um, find their voice really yes. in, in a slightly less pressurised way than if you're commissioned by a, a regional theatre or whatever I imagine. There's a few things that I know that are have gone up this year that are transferring from London venues, oddly as opposed to the other way around, but but taking on a slightly different form. So a friend of ours, um, Dougal Bruce Locker has directed, was in actually an, uh, a programme a theatre show rather, sorry, uh, that had Johnson in it and I can't remember, did he play Gove? I think he played Gove. And the chap that played um, Boris Johnson, they've adapted it now so that it's a one-man show okay, about yes. Johnson and yes. uh, Dugas directed it. So that's going up. There was a production at the Riverside Studios um, around Christmas that's going up that Stephen Unwin directed uh, with our friend Andrew Woodall in it, um, which again is politically based. Um, and I think Fascinating Aida might be going up okay. there that our friend Paul Foster has directed. So there's a few things going up that have, you know, uh, what's the, not cut their teeth, what's the, what's the phrase? Yeah, they've, they, they've, they've got re- experience elsewhere, but yeah. they're, they're taking in Edinburgh yeah. as a sort of main sort of venue stop in their tour um which is really exciting yeah and you can and it can still absolutely transform the fortunes of a show i mean six is the six the musical oh did that start at it started at edinburgh oh, and that. that you know with with the costumes bought from the local shop and, and oh, really of, you know tiny tiny show and yeah and yeah. got the producers in early and everybody really did recognize that it was um you know, work of uh, of genius, and you're you're right. Comics so much come through that. I mean, I, I remember seeing Jack Whitehall oh, there, and um, and it was so funny. And yeah. you know, we were all sitting on. I, I love it when you're in an odd place. We were. I'm sure we weren't sitting on tables, but my memory is that it was sort of in a porter cabin and that we were all sitting on yes. tables. We were perhaps sitting on chairs. And I hadn't heard of him. You know, it was just that there were tickets available because quite often if you're looking to fill, I, what I love about Edinburgh is you can go to eight things in a day. Yeah, yeah. Though I have now kind of rationalised this into five. Um, but you you might be looking for something that will just fill your two to three slot and and that two to that filler will yes. be something that there are tickets available for yeah. so that means you're not pursuing um the the kind of obvious hits yeah but you are going to pursue um 
you know, something that you haven't heard of. And I, I do like that. But as a model, I think it's it's so exciting. I remember when I first met Joe, he had just finished uh, the loft season at the National. And they haven't done that since. Yeah. And actually that, again, you know, the, the National as a building architecturally has been criticised so many times over the, year, but the, over the years. But the one thing it does have is lots of odd little spaces, mm. you know, and... It's, uh, it is a shame that that's never been taken up again. You know, and even when they were redoing, um, which space were they? When they were the cottage it, became the Dorfman yeah. and they had the shed the outside. The shed was a wonderful thing. But I think, you yeah. know, and then when they had watched this space, I'm not yeah. sure if they were yeah. reconvened again with that this year. Um, but, uh, you know, found spaces uh, as a concept... It's just really, really exciting. Even when they were redoing the Swan at Stratford and they built the courtyard, which we did um, Twelfth Night in, and they kept it for a yeah. long time. And there's something about that. Yeah. There's something about, you know, the travelling players happening upon a space and turning something quite benign into a stage. I love that as a concept. Well, Summer Hall is the great sort of success of recent Edinburgh's, which you won't be doing. I, I, I might be talking through my hat here, but I think Richard DeMarco, who was obviously so incredibly important in early Edinburgh and certainly yeah. the art festival, and was always bringing very you know experimental pieces to Edinburgh. Yes, um, he I think was involved in the development of Summer Hall, which I think was an old medical school, and certainly the very first time I went there was was completely sort of derelict and yes, yes. you know not necessarily a place that you wanted to spend much time in but in the festival it becomes this thriving art centre and yeah. I will be spending quite a lot of time there because Payne's Plough sort of present a lot of new work there and there's lots of um, interesting plays around the yeah. margins and I think when the festival's not there it is still a space that is used for art shows and yeah. for creativity so that has become something that's um you know that that extends beyond the festival back into the city yeah um and i do think even as i sit talking to you i'm feeling actually slightly more excited oh, than good. i was and the other thing but the other thing is i'm going out for five days and i know that when i leave i'll be desperate to see sort of more and i'll yeah. feel i've missed it but so, there's also i suppose you have the other belly here don't we we have the other belly we have the south bank festival and that bleeds into the south bank and there's you know i suppose it's that sense of the anarchy of when it's slightly more chaotic yeah. if it's if it, as these things naturally do they become more corporate and they have to be organized and you know for insurance purposes and just the nature of the way things work successfully over time but you know there's something about uh about edinburgh i think and you know that has been emulated in other places that it, as I said at the beginning, it, it, that it's the anarchy. It's the fact that people are moving in from all over the world and you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, and it is wonderful. And it actually is wonderful too that I think now that the, the, the plus side of the professionalism is that when work is really good, yeah. it does get seen more widely. I yes. mean, there was, I think, a sensitive, you know, um, what, what's been on the fringe stays on the fringe is kind of whole uh, idea. But now, actually, quite often it, it is a way of giving um, good things a 
broader theatrical life. Yeah. And so it is really exciting. So I shall go up and feel oh, no, kind jealous. of all exciting running around and I'll report back yes, when, yes. when um, we reconvene for our next um, episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic. Yeah. And so it's goodbye from me, um, Sarah. It's goodbye from me, Nancy. <laughs>